For 23 minutes, a San Diego horse had won the Kentucky Derby. Rancho Santa Fe's Gary West and his friends had been celebrating in their box when they were removed from the winner's circle as their horse, Maximum Security, was disqualified. This was the first time a horse has ever been disqualified after crossing the finish line first and before being awarded the prize. The disqualification raises questions about horse racing at a time when the sport is under scrutiny. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Bryce Miller, you're a sports columnist for the Union-Tribune, and you were at the Kentucky Derby when, well, something we really didn't expect happened with maximum security. So why don't you walk us through exactly what happened with that disqualification? Yeah, something no one expected. Um, a horse, Maximum Security, owned by Gary and Mary West of Rancho Santa Fe, uh, finished uh, first and on Saturday at Churchill Downs, and everyone thought uh, the horse won the Kentucky Derby. San Diego had its first full-time primary owner of a Kentucky Derby winner since the old Chargers owner, Gene Klein, um, with winning colors. Uh, but then, pretty quickly, there was a there was a, a stewards review. There, a couple of the riders objected. It's a thing called riders' objection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the horse that eventually was elevated after maximum security was, they call it disqualified, but really it's disqualified from the win and dropped to 17th place. So that's mm-hmm. where maximum security ended up. Um, and the reason 17th place, as opposed to any other position, they put you behind the last horse that the, they ruled you either interfered with or your interference had an impact on. And that so that was Long Range Toddy, who was in 16th. So uh, for 22 minutes, as uh, stewards, the three stewards at Churchill Down reviewed these objections, um, one coming from the second place horse, Country House, a 65 to one long shot who was elevated to the to the win after the review, uh, everyone sat there and waited to find out what was going to happen. And what happened was unprecedented. In uh, the 145 years of the Kentucky Derby, a winning horse has never been disqualified or a win has never been taken away on the night of the Derby. In 1968, there was a horse dancer's image who later failed a drug test. That was a little different situation. But a ruling that the winning horse... Uh, had committed a foul and because of that would be stripped of the Kentucky Derby title, um, basically started a series of events that have uh, ranged all the way from owner Gary West saying he, he would take this to federal court, which is territory nobody's really uh, experienced in terms of the Kentucky Derby. Dancer's image, uh, his owner, all those years ago, tried to fight it in court and that lasted nearly five years and he gave up when legal fees according to the washington post exceeded what he would have won by or, you know would have made by winning the derby itself wow so this is really un un uh, plowed ground in terms of the derby uh, gary west uh, just today was on nbc's today show saying he wouldn't go to the preakness took some shots at uh, churchill down saying they're greedy for having 20 horse fields it was 19 this year because a couple fell out but um, but normally 20 horse fields, the biggest in, in, uh, in American racing in the triple crown circuit and, uh, all of that from a stunning change of result on Saturday night to, uh, threats of court action to national attention, uh, through the today show. Uh, it's really saying it's unexpected is, is really understating it. It's, mm-hmm. it's truly unprecedented. 
And uh, first, let's kind of walk through exactly what went wrong on the track. So can you kind of walk us through those objections that that the riders had as to what the, the horse and the jockey did that was wrong? Yeah. Um, what what the objections related to is, is a moment on the track, and it's being shown over and over on television, and it's available online, so it's very easy to go find and look at yourself. Um, they are ruling that the horse drifted out into traffic. Essentially, it's not a very well-defined rule. It's just kind of an understanding that horses, as they're running, are running in lanes, essentially. Mm -hmm. There aren't lanes on a track, obviously, but you have a a lane, a direction that you're going, and you just can't weave back and forth just cutting off horses right and left. Mm -hmm. You can't obstruct. You can't interfere. You can't block. Um, You've got to run the most straight race possible without interfering with other horses, which, of course, is incredibly difficult when you have 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. Um, A point that I would raise is you could go back and probably look at every Kentucky Derby and find a moment where horses could have been disqualified that weren't um, based on based on that. But, you know, most people would say that the horse did drift out, um, and according to that definition, two or three lanes out. And what that did is it, it made contact with a horse called War of Will, and uh, then that horse trying to, you know, get out of the way of that trouble um, kind of, interfered or impeded with another horse so you have kind of this pinball domino thing that's going on so you had a couple of jockeys who objected to that and uh the the ruling that came back from the stewards 22 minutes later is that that they were right that that did happen um there's there's debate about that uh the majority of trainers at churchill downs on the backside barns i was there on sunday with other media I don't think we found a single trainer uh, of a horse in that race who didn't agree it was the right decision. Most were just surprised that they were able and willing and, you know, they kind of had the resolve to make that decision because it's the Kentucky Derby, because it's unprecedented. And I think just the reverberations of a decision like that, they were probably aware of how big a deal that was. And so you had such a long delay, 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that now, after all this has happened, jockeys are probably reconsidering how they run to a certain extent, I would imagine, right? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. A lot of these jockeys have done this their whole life, and, and sometimes horses are, you know, a thousand pound or more animals that uh, if they take you somewhere, you can do some things to try to try to change their mind to try to redirect them but there are points where there's nothing you can do to a degree um so you can do so much as a writer uh but Mm -hmm. it's just hard to it's hard to think about what this might mean in the sense of your question because it's never happened before they've never disqualified a winner so you i don't know that's a good question you probably do have some jockeys thinking about you know maybe i've got to be careful because um, they, they've never been willing to disqualify a winner before, but now all bets are off. This is different. And, um, moving forward, how it, how it impacts a sport in, in those strategic ways will be interesting. But I think one of the things that's being defended in terms of the decision is, you know, horse racing is kind of under attack, uh, after 23 and, and in some ways, very rightfully so. After 23 deaths at Santa Anita since Christmas, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people argue that if, if the horse drifted a little farther, if those legs got tangled, which they did to a degree, but 
if the jockey of war of will doesn't uh, wasn't able to kind of redirect a little bit, um, you would have had horses tumbling. Uh, they, the argument from those in the know at the track on Sunday was this could have been disastrous at a time with the biggest spotlight, the most attention, millions watching when the sport could least afford it. So there was more on the line than the one point eight six million dollars that goes to the winner. There was, in some ways, and this isn't hyperbole, there was uh, to some degree the potential for, uh, you know, the fate of the sport. Yeah, I can't imagine what would have happened if all of those horses had toppled. That would have been a true disaster. So why don't you explain um, what uh, Gary West plans on doing now? You kind of hinted at his strategy before, but he plans on fighting this ruling. Yeah, he's, you can tell he's been conflicted, and now he seems more firm in his resolve on this. But I, I was the first person to talk to him. I really, and I wrote about this in the column that night in the Union Tribune, the really awkward, painful thing to watch is the family, including his wife, Mary West, they are, I, I did a huge profile in the Union Tribune leading in on Gary West. He's somebody who's never done a lengthy sit-down interview, almost no interviews at all before the Derby, and talked about the philanthropic work they do, the millions they've, uh, you know, pumped into really their focus is uh, trying to increase uh, the help and resources available to aging Americans related to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 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 they are doing they are doing the angels work on some of that stuff. Uh, when, when you really dig into what they're, what they're all about and how they spend their time. Um, and when he, to watch, you know, Mary West, they were all up in the winner's circle and she was holding the roses. The garland of roses is really the symbol of mm-hmm. winning the Kentucky Derby. And they had to go up and take those from her and then take the family away from the winner's circle and take the next horse and that group up to see that happen was, um, really surreal. It's never happened in a Kentucky Derby. And then to mm-hmm. see that involve San Diegans, who are so prominent um, at this particular Derby. And then, uh, so Gary West, I talked to him first on the track, walking off after they'd, they'd asked the family to leave the winner's circle. And, you know, the question was, you know, would you appeal? And uh, he called it doubtful in that moment. Now, he's just dealing with, you know, an unprecedented situation and probably all the thoughts going through his head. I suppose anybody gets the opportunity to to find a calm moment to think about something more clearly. But in that moment, he said it was doubtful. By the end of the night, he was saying uh, they're definitely leaning towards appealing. Mm-hmm. On a Sunday, he told me that uh, they would appeal. When I explained that Kentucky Horse Racing Commission regulations don't allow for a steward's appeal, they, uh, in fact, it's spelled out in their regulations. He said, well, I'll appeal to the organization itself. Um, Tim Sullivan, who used to be a Union Tribune writer uh, with the Louisville Courier Journal, talked to the executive director of the commission who said, um, this is cut and dry. They can appeal to us, but it's not going to change anything. So he's, Gary West has said he will take this to federal court if necessary. And um, when you get to that point, there's really no way to handicap how that might shake out. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, some questions I still want to ask Gary is, at the end of the day, what is his goal and what is his end result he's trying to get? Is it just vindication of some kind or any kind? Does he want the trophy handed over? Does he want, is it monetary, which is doubtful? They have enough money that the winner's share of this and breeding rights and the things that that come out of it are, you know, that money isn't something that motivates uh, Gary and Mary at all uh, at this point. I know that. But um, 
that's where we are. It, it, it really escalated um, pretty quickly as the night wore on, and um, I guess we wait and see where it goes from here. No one's ever had to, you know, walk through this in modern American racing, and uh, so it's uncertain where this all leads. Yeah, certainly it feels like a moment of reckoning for horse racing itself. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's part of it. I mean, the arguments on both sides is, and I get both of these arguments, really, so I'm a little conflicted myself. On one side, people say, you hate when these things aren't decided on the track, on the field. Um, you think back to the, the New Orleans Saints this year, they look like they were on the way to the Super Bowl against the Rams, and a, and a clear penalty wasn't called late in the game. The Rams won that game. Um, so that was a massive decision by the people who officiate a sporting event that changed things. Um, you look back to the I-70 series with the Cardinals and Royals in 1985 and a call at first base by Don Denkinger that changed the fate for the Cardinals. You, um, you know, you can go on and on and on. Colorado had a fifth down in college football uh, against the University of Mer- Missouri and scored on that fifth down. Clearly shouldn't have occurred. The ball should have been turned over. So we've seen officiating and calls that have clearly impacted the outcome of, of events. And so some people make the argument that um, these things need decided on the field. They need decided on the track. Not We don't want our, our, our sports decided by people in a control room slowly replaying things over and over and over and over. The other people, the other side, the other argument, which I see too, is rules are rules. It shouldn't matter if it's the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. If it's the third race at Del Mar on a Thursday or if it's the Kentucky Derby, the rules should be followed. That's what they're there for. Now, clearly, the Kentucky Derby is different. I mean, it's different in size. It's different in scope. It's different in importance. Um, and I think that's why, and this was an awkward thing for Churchill Downs, the stewards themselves didn't ask for an inquiry. It was the the riders. Um, mm-hmm. So those two arguments kind of butt heads. And, uh, I, you know, I see a little bit of both of it, to be honest. Certainly. And um, as this story is, you know, still developing, what big questions uh, do you kind of have in your brain as you continue to report this out? Well, I'd like to know if, you know, Gary West said that uh, maximum security isn't going to run in the Preakness. You wonder if maximum security would run in the Belmont. I assume so. It's a little more time to recover. There's not a triple crown at stake in theory now, so it's possible to... Um, take a breather maybe in his mind and get your horse better prepared for a second triple crown race. Um, you'd like to know what is, as I mentioned earlier, what is his end goal with taking this to court? What does he want out of it very specifically? Not just, maybe it's just, Hey, I want, you know, what's right is right. And I, that's what I want. Or maybe it's, I don't know. That's a question we haven't quite gotten an answer to from Gary. Um, you know, not going to the Preakness was that a, part of that decision a you know essentially uh saying to horse racing in general you know here's what i think i'm gonna i'm gonna take this horse out of that next big race which would drawn a ton of attention if maximum security entered and tried to win after the craziest kentucky derby ever um is that his way of sending a message um i don't know the answer to that either but there are so many questions as this thing moves forward and uh the only thing I know is that uh, this story isn't over. It's not really over for anybody. That may not be good for racing that it's not over, um, but I can't pretend to be in the shoes of Gary West and, 
and uh, it's easy for me to say move along. Um, it's, it's clearly obviously harder for them to do it. These are once-in-a-lifetime things, and I'll drop a stat on you um, to give a little context of how once-in-a-lifetime they can be. The Los Angeles Times two years ago rep- made an estimate, uh, reported that, you know, the number of horses available in a given year, only three-year-olds run in this race, the number of three-year-olds available, what it takes to, to accumulate the points that you need to qualify, on and on and on and on. It, it, they estimated the chances of getting in a, a, any given Kentucky Derby in any given year is 0.08%. Wow. That's given the starting numbers with foals and everything in the horse population. So 0.08%. Now, what are the numbers when you say, and then to win it in a huge field? And then what would those percentages be to say to win it and then have it taken away? Um, so this is, you know, it's incredibly hard to get there. And it's got to be excruciating to think literally you're standing in the winner's circle and 22 minutes later you're not. Um, it's a fascinating story. In a lot of ways, it's a sad story. Uh, but it, in America, it's opening up this incredible debate that horse racing's never had. A lot of the attentions have been on safety. Um, but now the discussion about, um, you know, morals, ethics, rules, you know, there's kind of these overarching themes that go beyond this one race and this one situation. It's a bigger discussion on what everybody values, what they think is more important and what they think trumps something else in terms of what decisions you need to make. So it's, it's fascinating in those ways, too. I mean, it's a Kentucky Derby no one will ever forget. And uh, San Diego was smack dab in the middle of it. All right. Bryce Miller, thank you so much. Thanks. In other news, 26 years after their debut album, Enema of the State, Blink-182 is touring again. The Poway Bread Group's tour starts in late June and will be in San Diego on August 7th at the North Island Credit Union Amphitheater. Tickets for the tour go on sale Friday at noon. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also call up our local headlines on your smart speaker. Just say, launch the San Diego Union-Tribune for a quick briefing on weather and our top stories. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at sandiegouniontribune.com slash subscribe. Until next time.